0: Alright, good evening everybody. Let's get on our feet. We're going to read the Bible together. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Revelation chapter 21. If you don't, I don't know why you come to church without a Bible, but thankfully we have these uh, screens. So the, the verse should be up here. Uh, the verse is, I'm going to read a pretty lengthy portion of Scripture um, out of Revelation chapter 21 through uh, the first five verses of chapter 22. So you can follow on the screen or you can follow on your own Bible. We're going to start in Revelation 21 verse 10. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain and showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, having the glory of God. Her brilliance was like a very costly stone a stone of crystal-clear jasper. It had a great and high wall with 12 gates, and at the gates 12 angels, and names were written on them, which are the names of the 12 tribes of the sons of Israel. There were three great gates on the east, and three gates on the north, and three gates on the south, and three gates on the west. And the wall of the city had 12 foundation stones, and on them were the 12 names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. The one who spoke with me had a gold measuring rod to measure the city and its gates and its wall. The city is laid out as a square, and its length is as great as its width. And he measured the city with the rod, 1,500 miles. Its length and width and height are equal. And he measured its wall, 72 yards, according to human measurements, which are also angelic measurements. Interesting. (laughs) The material of the wall was jasper, and the city was pure gold, like clear glass. The foundation stones of the city wall were adorned with every kind of precious stone. The first foundation stone was jasper, the second sapphire, the third chalcedony, the fourth emerald, the fifth sardonyx, the sixth sardius, the seventh chrysolite, the eighth beryl, the ninth topaz, the tenth chrysoprase, the eleventh jacinth, the twelfth amethyst. And the twelve gates were twelve pearls. Each one of the gates was a single pearl. And the street of the city was pure gold, like transparent glass. I saw no temple in it, for the Lord God the Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. And the city has no need of the sun or of the moon to shine on it, for the glory of God has illumined it, and its lamp is the Lamb. The nations will walk by its light. And the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it in the daytime for there will be no night there. Its gates will never be closed and they will bring the glory and the honor of the nations into it. And nothing unclean and no one who practices abomination and lying shall ever come into it. But only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Then he showed me a river of the water of life, clear as crystal, coming from the throne of God and of the Lamb. In the middle of its street, on either side of the river, was the tree of life, bearing 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. There will no longer be any curse, and the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it. And his bondservants will serve him. They'll see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads. And there will no longer be any night, and they will have no need of the light of a lamp, nor the light of the sun, because the Lord God will illumine them, and they will reign forever and ever. It's the word of the Lord. Praise be to God. You can be seated. That preaches. We can go home. We got the word. Lord, we thank you for your word that's living and active. We thank you that we behold you through song, we behold you through prayer, we behold you through the word, we behold you through one another. And we just say, Jesus, keep ministering in our midst and have your way. Let us see your face, let us hear your voice, transform us into your image. By the power of your spirit, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, I'm going to continue this priesthood theme. Who's been here for at least one of these? Come on, that's good. I'm going to spend a, a, a long time on this. I'm going to spend a year on this. And you know, when I when I say that, I I am more of a symphonic communicator, meaning I'm not linear. So I'm not going to go systematically. It's gonna I'm going to capture this. I want to capture this idea of a royal priesthood symphonically, which would be more like how John. Has anybody ever read First John? Has anybody ever not read 1 John? If you haven't, that's your homework, this read. It's just, it's just a great book. But he, you'll notice when you read it, he catches the same theme again and again and again. God is love. This is love. God, you know, he he kind of captures and he circles on the same thing again and again and again. And if you think of a, a symphony, right, you're listening to this one score of music that's all thematically tied together. So that's, that's how I want to circle And chew on this whole priestly, royal priesthood identity that God, I believe, is awakening in our midst. So look to the person to your left and just tell them you're a royal priest. Yeah, look to the person on your right. Tell them, you are a royal priest. And now I want you to confess it. I am a royal priest. A holy nation. A chosen people. Called as a special, special possession of God. I'm all tongue-tied. This could be an interesting night. So a little recap, and then what I actually want to talk about tonight is, is heaven. Uh, priest, a priest is a vocation that existed before religion. We looked at Adam and Eve, so it's, it's not a clerical color. It's not a spiritual title. It's a vocation that God ordained when he created humanity, that we would be his priestly people. And Adam and Eve stood as priests, and a priest's job is to represent God to creation and to represent creation to God. So Jesus came as the second Adam to redeem the fall of man, and he was this priestly representation of God. In John 14, he gets a little flustered by Philip's question that if you should show us the Father, it's enough for us. And he's like, don't you get it? I have shown you the Father. I'm a royal priest. I'm the high priest. Romans 8, creation is groaning for the revealing of the sons, the daughters of God, because creation itself is designed to operate with a priesthood, a, a representation of God. And so creation was subjected to futility because the priestly representation that humanity was supposed to fulfill to creation, was destroyed by sin. And we started destroying what we were given to steward instead of making it a garden. So Adam and Eve are put in this garden. There's an inner garden where the tree of life was. They walked with God in the cool of the day. There was an outer garden to eat in where they would cultivate, cultivate relationship, be fruitful and multiply. And then they were told to fill the whole garden. Earth, meaning that the borders of this garden that were given in Genesis were meant to be extended so that the glory of the Lord would cover the earth like the waters cover the sea. This was the vocation of man. And I want to talk about this priestly vocation and actually advocate for the the fact that it's an eternal vocation that's never going to go away. We will eternally stand as priests before God. This is what Jesus came to redeem as the, the second Adam, the last Adam, the one who would destroy the curse of sin so that we could come back in, in, into the garden, into a place. So we start in Genesis in a garden, right? So we would kind of naturally expect that the end of the story, when we see the redemption of this whole thing, we would end up back in a garden, right? Right? And we kind of do, but it's a little different. We started in a garden, and we end actually at something that's a little bit more robust than a garden, and that is a a city. We start in a garden, we end in a city. I just read this passage. So the beginning of the book, we're put in a garden. The end of the book, somehow, in God's story, we're given this foretaste that there is a city, a holy city, Jerusalem, that's going to come down on a great and high mountain. So I... I want to look at a picture, because if we're talking about as a royal priest, my vocation is to cultivate, right, we picked up the seed, we're to sow the seed, because I've been given a vocation to extend the borders of Eden and actually bring heaven to earth. This is the Lord's prayer, a priestly prayer, that his kingdom would come and his will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. Who's going to cultivate on earth as it is in heaven? The priesthood, the ones who represent God on earth, who represent God to creation. So if we're going to recreate the kingdom of heaven, and this is the gospel of the kingdom of heaven is what we've been commissioned to go and extend across the world. This is the commissioning that Jesus gives us. We need to have a vision for what exactly is heaven. Because I would just say that our vision of heaven is very much informing what we do every single day of our lives. And I think that most of the church, this may be, that may be an overstatement, but I think that most of the church, if we were to take a poll, you know, like Jay Leno style on the streets, just like, what is heaven? We'd get some sort of a picture that sounds like a glorified retirement center. It's like, perfect, and the food's amazing, and it's a big, big house with a huge yard where we can play football, you know? It's my father's house. We we'd kind of get like the best that we can think of on earth, maybe spiritualized a little bit, but it's kind of like this holy retirement center, which is funny because retirement centers are like kind of not the happiest places. That's what the stats say. So I, I want to I deconstruct maybe a little bit of what we drift into culturally when thinking of heaven and actually just look at what the scripture is communicating because this passage that I read is ripe with a lot of symbolic language, prophetic literature is like a poem. Say poem. We have to read prophetic literature like it's a poem. Right? I believe that as Christians, the healthiest way to read the Bible is to read it literarily. Meaning that you have to understand the genre that you're reading to fully unpack the truth that's being communicated. So when I read the Gospels, that's a historical account. That's, I'm, getting, I'm getting accounts of what actually happened and what Jesus did. When I'm reading prophetic literature, the Psalms, even the Proverbs, a lot of the prophets, the book of Revelation, it is prophetic literature. It's, it's very true. I'm not trying to argue the authority of the scripture. I'm simply saying we have to understand we're reading something different, right? You read a textbook in science class different than you read an Instagram post, correct? You read Lord of the Rings different than you read the newspaper, right? So we naturally know that as we're engaging with scripture, we read things differently. So I want to, I want to articulate and, and do a little bit of some biblical interpretation on this passage that I believe is, is going to spark a flame in a sanctified imagination that we can start to see heaven and actually recognize that it's a lot closer than we think. The kingdom of heaven is here. It's coming, but it's here. And, and if we as a priesthood are given a vocational assignment to live in close proximity with Jesus and then create, imitate him, behold him and imitate him and make the kingdom of heaven on earth, we need some sort of an idea of what that is. So Let's let's just unpack this. Can we go a little bit on a journey of just unpacking this holy city that we see described? All right, if you want to take notes, you might... I'm going to go... I, people always tell me I go too fast. Just tell me to repeat if I need to. But I think that there's going to be a lot that you can uh, chew on. And I think this is going to be exciting. I've actually been really eager to preach on this topic. I've never preached explicitly on heaven before. So... The first thing we see in this passage is that John is carried away in the spirit to a great and high mountain. Say mountain. Mountains in scripture are always symbolic of a place where heaven touches earth. So all of the, exp- the expressions of God's temple that we see throughout the scripture are actually uh, take place on mountaintops. So the Garden of Eden, uh, if you look into the, the Hebrew scholarly, it's on a mountain, So the inner garden would have been the top of the mountain, and it's this ascending type thing, the outer garden a little lower. So Eden is on a mountain because mountains are places where heaven touches earth, and Eden is this garden temple. You then have Abraham having this very priestly encounter where he's actually offering a sacrifice of his son on Mount Moriah. This mountaintop experience. Abraham's this first prototype of a priest. He has builds an altar on the mountain. God provides the ram on the mount of the Lord. It will be provided. Do you know what else is on that same mountain today? The Temple Mount in Jerusalem. Jerusalem is the mountain that Abraham went on. Then you have Moses. Where does Moses encounter God? On the mountain. On Mount Sinai. Then you have David, which city does he take as the city of David? He goes back to Abraham's mountain, and they build the house of God, Solomon does, on the mount, Mount Moriah, the mountain of God, Mount Zion, Jerusalem, it's a little confusing in the scriptures, there's a lot of names for the same mountain sometimes, but it's a mountain, right? Now Jesus comes, he pioneers the church we talked about two weeks ago when I preached, the church is this new temple where we are the priesthood, we are the temple, and what does Jesus say? You're a city set on a... A light that's in, meant to be seen, meant to shine about. There's something about mountains. They're symbolic as a place. It's, it's telling us this is heaven's touching earth. So there's a city coming on a high mountain. We're getting we're language here that this is, this is in the temple construct. This is a marriage between heaven and earth. Okay, so the, there's a mountain. The next thing we are told is that it is a holy city. Say holy city. Holy City. So, this is fascinating. We could probably spend all night on this, but what is the difference between a garden and a city? A whole lot of creativity. Right, so a man starts in a garden, ends in a city. I remember one day I was driving to school when I was in, I went to undergrad in Southern California and I was driving through the middle of Nevada. And I got buzzed by an F-16 right over my truck. My whole truck's like shaking. And I I don't, for whatever reason, I looked and watched that thing and the noise of it, you know, sounded like a lightning peel. And I was like, how on earth did we start on planet earth with a bunch of dirt and raw materials and we've managed to create one of those things? Like, it's kind of mind-bending. You know what I'm talking about? The amount of human creativity is fascinating beyond belief. I remember the first time I was in New York City, standing in the midst of the concrete jungle, just looking up, and all I could see was skyscrapers. I'm like, how have we created all of this? It's unbelievable. The creativity and the innovation that has come forth from humanity. So the difference between a garden and a city is a whole lot of culture, creativity, infrastructure, business, politics, education, utilities, recreation, family life, residential. I mean, think of everything that goes into a city. Transportation systems. It's, it's kind of a lot to think about. Sometimes I think we should give more grace to city leaders, I'm just saying, because it's, it's quite a task. It's quite a task to run a church, <laughs> much less an entire city with hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people, depending on the city. Each city has different, you know, cultural flair, music scene, art scene, every, like, think of the amount of culture. It's like cities are where humans get together and they create so much, and it's the world that we actually live in. Culture is what humans make of the world in both senses. It's what we physically make, and it's how we make sense of what we make. So culture. So we're put in a garden, but then we come back to a city. This is fascinating because I think that this is God communicating to us that heaven is very much a work of cooperation between a holy God and a royal priesthood. And and we're gonna get into the text, and I'm gonna show that more and more. There's this is evidenced all throughout. I think heaven's a whole lot different than we think. I think it's a whole lot more exciting. I think it's a whole lot more like earth than we think, and it's a lot different than earth than we think. It's both ends, a paradox. But this passage, this this is a mesmerizing passage. So it's a city. A city's a hub of human creativity. Right? The city we're told, I didn't read it because it's about 12 verses before, and I was already, is, is the city is the bride. Say bride. It says, behold, the, the bride of the Lamb was coming down, and the bride of the Lamb was a city. And then we're told that the temple, there's no temple, but the Lamb's in the city. So this city temple is a picture of John 17 Union, actually. It's what we're seeing in the form of a city. So we are the city. Jesus is the very much the central being of the city, but it's, it's, it's both. The city is both alive with God and it's the bride. It's the living stones. Do you see how prophecy is like poetry? You have to ponder it. And I, I was taught a poem in fourth grade by Robert Frost. Two roads diverged in a wood and I. I took the road less traveled by. And that's made all the difference. You have to think about that. This is what God's trying to get us to do in this passage. I want you to start thinking what is heaven? Why is heaven a city? Okay. There is strong language that emphasizes within the city that there is a rhythm of import and export. That comes out of the holy city. The gates are mentioned multiple times. We're told what they look like. We're told who stands at them. There's angels at the gates, there's names on the gates. The gates are like a single pearl. Who wants to see that? That's kind of that's kind of cool. But then it says that the gates are always open. Because they're open, they they don't, there's never a nighttime. They're always open. And then it tells us why they're open. It says they're open because the kings of the earth will bring their glory into the city. In the daytime, the gates will never be closed and they'll bring the glory and the honor of the nations into it. So we see there's an import into the holy city. And then we see that there's an export because it says that the light of the lamb, which we're going to talk about a little bit more, it it's the light of the nations. <laughs> so... So we have a city that has 12 gates that are open perpetually, and the glory of kings, and when I read kings, you're, I'm hearing a royal priesthood. Royal, he's the king of kings. He's the lord of, we're royal because we're from the lineage of the king of kings. So when we read kings, the glory of a royal priesthood, the creativity of a royal priesthood is going to be imported into the city, and then there's going to be an exporting of the light of the lamb to the nations this should rock our world of heaven a little bit because what we're seeing is that there's evidence here that heaven is an inner garden and that there's an outer garden there's some place to go to i'm just preaching the bible I'm not making this up. This is just right here. I'm just giving you language here. This is this is the poetic language we're given. So kings are bringing glory into the city. We're actually told what the glory of kings looks like because this is prophetic language. If you want to actually see this is built upon Isaiah 60. So this is a more elaborate expression of Isaiah 60. And in Isaiah, he's prophesying, and he actually starts prophesying of different kings and different nations bringing their glory into it. And one of the kings and the nations that is identified is Tarshish, the ships of Tarshish. Have you read this before? In Isaiah 23, we're told that the pride of Tarshish, they're being humbled and their ships are being destroyed. So they're, they're a pagan nation, they have pride in what they've done, but their glory was their ships. They are the greatest ships in the Mediterranean world. And in Isaiah 60, where we see this prophetic literature of the New Jerusalem, it says the ships of Tarshish are leading the way and the kings of the earth are bringing gold and silver and their resources and the glory of the nations are coming into it. So what's the glory of kings? It's it's human creativity. It's it's when priests behold and imitate, there is creativity that comes forth from that. And apparently God likes it enough that he's like, yeah, I want that in my city. <laughs> this is where heaven starts getting kind of mind-blowing. Whoa. <laughs> so we have glory of kings. Interesting to start to think, like what is God like enough to put in his city? Everybody always says, you know, like, oh, what pastors do is so important, but, you know, I'm just, I'm just in the marketplace. I'm like, man, there's not going to be preaching in heaven. If you own a coffee shop, you may be offering a more everlasting service. <laughs> okay. We gotta, we gotta renew our minds. What is heaven? What is heaven? Okay, so there's, there's, there's this importing. And there's actually space. What I see is there's, there's, so the tree of life was in the inner garden and garden in, in Eden. The tree of life is in the new Jerusalem. And the river is flowing, and the trees on either side, and it's bearing fruit. So we have clear. This is telling us this is the inner place. This is the 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 inner sanctuary is a city. And then there's an outer place. There's the nations. There's still space for the vocation of priest in heaven. So just as God created and then he rested on the seventh day and then commissioned Adam to co-create and co-rule and to fill the earth, the same thing exists in heaven in some form. Where Adam had the liberty in Eden, which was, it means paradise, it was the foretaste of heaven, Adam had the ability, right, he was, he was doing things. It's the same in heaven. There's space for a priesthood to be operative. A holy priesthood. A royal priesthood. This is cool. This makes my imagination run wild. Okay. So kings will bring glory into the city. They'll export light out of the city to the nations. So uh, th- this, this just suggests that being a priest is an eternal vocation that we will still be given, because we're designed to find the greatest joy in our lives in beholding Jesus and then representing Jesus. So we're still going to be doing that. There's space for us to express creativity in the heavenly place, in the heavenly room. So it's a holy city. Say holy. This is, this is where, this is, this is the dream of God. It's a holy city. There's no temple in it, for the Lord God and the Lamb are its temple. This gets pretty exciting, because in this city, there is no division between sacred things and secular things. And then we're told a little bit further that the throne of God is in the midst of the city. So we have a, 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 the throne and the temple are seamlessly integrated into the life of a city. And again, what is a city? Everything that goes into making a city. So let's not overly spiritualize this. It's a city. Business, development, politic. I'm sure politics looks a little different there, but, you know, it's a theocracy. There's no democracy. I don't want to spoil anybody. There's... No Republicans or Democrats in heaven. You got to shed that, right? These these lesser forms. But anyways, I'm going to get in trouble if I keep talking, All right? But small business, big business, family life, recreation. I, I just, it's the very best that life can offer, right? But there, it's seamlessly integrated in... Revelation 4, we get our best picture at the throne of God, and it's this beautiful worship scene where the angels are singing. It's what we did tonight. Holy, holy, holy. Holy, holy, holy is the song of the angels, and we join in, and then the elders fall on their faces, and they take their crowns, and they cast their crowns at the feet, and they say, worthy is the Lamb of all glory, and honor, and power. So we see that's the throne of God. So there's this pretty radical worship scene that's seamlessly integrated into his life of a city. And somehow they, they work perfectly. They just go perfectly. It's not there's no division between the two. It's the city of God. It's a holy city. It's a city that's filled with worship. And God is the temple and Jesus is the temple. So it's this depiction and you know and, and we also are the temple, we're told. So there's, in this city, the the sacred and the secular are woven together. The people of God and God are integrated together. And there's no sun or there's no moon. It's just light. It's just the light of God's presence, which is a depiction of a true theocracy where a people are living governed by the manifest presence of God. Meaning that nothing is happening outside of intimate relationship with Jesus. So there's no need for any any other light or any other illumination because the Lamb is illuminating everything. So there's a perfect unity. There's a perfect equality because everybody is submitted beneath the beauty of Jesus and his leadership. So it's a theocracy. right? And think in this day when John's writing, there's you, in a city, there's no electricity. So you can't do anything when it's nighttime except for wicked deeds, if you read Proverbs. And if you're single and dating, nothing good happens after 9 p.m. I'm just gonna throw that out. It's still true. But there's this light. There's there's you can only work, you can only operate in light. And so there's this picture. He is the light, the lamb's the light, the presence of God is the light. It's this beautiful picture. All right? so the inner garden has become in revelation a holy, glory-filled city where everything is integrated in a way, the sacred, and the, there's no more of that. It's just a people living, seeing His face, serving Him, and I'm sure the great commandment, you know, loving, serving Him, loving, serving one another. Right? We have this idea that work was introduced because of sin. It wasn't. Adam was in the garden given an incredible assignment of work. I believe work exists in heaven because it's a city. And cities don't just happen. And retirement communities where you can wake up and sleep in every morning and play golf all day aren't happy places. It's just, it's work redeemed. Relationship redeemed. Worship redeemed. It's all integrated under the leadership of the Lamb. I hope you're making practical links here. Oh, my job's so pointless. I wish I could go into the ministry. There's no ministry there. My job's much more temporal than yours, probably. (laughs) Do you see, like, it's hilarious. No one's going to have to preach about Jesus (laughs) or tell people what the kingdom of heaven is. (laughs) Like, We live here. I'm going to have to figure out, what do I do? (laughs) Yeah, I'm going (laughs) to golf, and I'll be fired up on that. That's not retirement for me. That's grinding. And all of you will be like, Mal, my dress rehearsal was a lot closer to the real thing. And I wind my way through it. (laughs) This is cool, you guys. (laughs) Alright, this is probably the most important thing we see, is that heaven is Jesus-centric. There's no sun or moon. It's illumined by the divine light, and that light is jesus But think about this. The beautiful thing is that as we all walk around an earthly city like today on a beautiful day, everyone is in the light. Everyone has, everyone sees the light. Everyone's in proximity to the light. Somehow, no matter how amazingly unequal and messed up our world is, we all have the same relationship with the sun, with the light. Like it's there. This is heaven. It's Jesus. He's everywhere. Everyone has proximity to Jesus. Everyone sees Jesus. Everyone communes with Jesus. Everybody's just living this. It's Jesus. The whole thing centers around Jesus. And Jesus just works. Jesus knows how to run a city. Jesus is the author of life. Jesus is the one from whom all things came and for whom all things. So, as we are living in worship, so if you're integrating, this is cool, like think of you're integrating Revelation 4 with Revelation 21 and 22, so I think some people are like, well, is heaven going to be like where I have a harp and I'm going to sing songs all day? I, no, I don't think so. That's not what the scriptures tell us. I think there's going to be the most incredible worship we've ever seen, and it's probably going to be bliss beyond measure, but there's also space for the creativity of priesthood. There's vocation. There's assignments. There's things that matter. There's purpose. There's purpose. You're in a city, and then the gates of the city are open. We're going somewhere. Why don't people talk about this? I I Would I, I like to think as I've pondered this myself and this is just this is my opinion this isn't Is that? Revelation 4 is a real reality. That's what the whole center of the city is revolving around but if we're to export the light of his face to the nations it's somehow that's the interiorized reality of every person in heaven that throne room scene Is alive inside of you behold and imitate so as I walk out of that pearly gate to the nations whatever that means that throne rooms alive in me I'm perfectly beholding him and I'm perfectly imitating him meaning that what is coming forth from me is glorious which is why then I'm like, Jesus, look what I did. And he's like, let's bring that back. So it's like this rhythm of beholding and imitating. And I think heaven just gets better and better and better. That's what we see here. Because glory and honor just keeps getting pulled back in by a holy royal priesthood. And then sent, but I, it's... wow. So all our creativity would actually emerge from the heart cry, holy, holy, holy. Wow, wow, wow. Let me try to do that now. This is like, this is, okay. I think this is, we could probably sit here all night. It's 540. I actually want to shift and just say, what, am I, what, are we, what does this mean? What are the implications of this? If like any of this is true, what does this mean? I'm guessing that, how many of you are having your, your picture of heaven rocked a little bit right now? The rest of you are lying. I'm, I'm joking. So what is the kingdom of God? I'll just be an honest, confession, one of the things that I'm a little sick of hearing is I feel like most of the depiction that I hear people are like, I want to see the kingdom come with signs and wonders and miracles. And I'm like, that's a really, really small depiction of the kingdom. Like I'm almost like, oh, like we can't sell the kingdom that short. Like I I believe in signs, wonders and miracles. What are healing miracles? City of God, no disease on earth. It's, but what is the kingdom? It's more than just these, these expressions of the spirit as we gather in church. The kingdom of God, it's God's city. It's God's realm. It's God's government. It's God's way of doing life on earth. And we're told it's a city. So I think God is dreaming of cities. Being transformed. I think that we're put here on earth as a dress rehearsal for our vocation in the eternal city. And I think that the enemy relentlessly works to try to secularize our minds and devalue that what you are doing doesn't really matter, it has no eternal purpose. You just make coffee. And again, we, we already debunked that one. We all know there's coffee in heaven. I, I'm, being, I'm, I'm, I'm being a little silly, not entirely, but what I'm, I'm trying to get us to hear is the form of this life, a lot of the form of this life is going to pass away. Like it is. There's not going to be a hospital. There's no St. Luke's in the middle of Jerusalem. Right, so, so, so the form, the, there's, there's going to necessitate a change in form. But the substance of what we're doing, we are in a dress rehearsal. We are in the most, I was up with the Lord the other morning and I was almost laughing. I'm like, this is like the most wildly elaborate practice exam that everybody has ever thought of, ever. And you know, it's typically like teachers like, oh, here's 20 questions that will help you with the test. God's like, I'm going to design life. Whoa like this is quite the experiment like the extremities of highs and lows and pain and sorrow and joy and babies and alzheimers and the the beauty of marriage and intimacy and the horrors of sex trafficking it's like this is a crazy crazy planet but it's a dress rehearsal it's where we're starting to live out and what we're doing now impacts eternity it, it, we, we have this idea that it's almost like life ends, boom, you get your jail, get out of jail free card, and it's a blank slate, and then you start all over in the pearly gates. No, I think you arrive in heaven as you are, purified, but as you are. Like C.S. Lewis ponders some of this. He's like, you know, could you, you know, if you're an angry, fearful person, could you imagine that propagated out for eternity? It's getting angrier and more fearful, angrier more fearful. Like character matters is the point. We don't understand how it all works, but character matters. What you're doing now matters. The form may not, but what the substance of what you are doing, the, the inner world that you are cultivating, the, the way that you show up to people matters, and your effect upon people matters. At the end of the day, every human vocation, every priestly assignment, whether it's preaching a message, whether like there's these, there's these elements of things that we are doing, tasks that we're doing, but what it's really about is the impact that we're having on the people around us. If I'm providing a good, if I'm providing a service, it's how I show up. That's eternal. Eternal. Jesus demonstrated this. As the royal priest, his impact upon these 12 intimates that he surrounded himself with was so profound they were willing to give their lives for him. It wasn't just because he said, I'm God, worship me. It's because they loved him. It's no greater love that you'd give your life for your friends. Jesus gave his life for them, they gave their life for Jesus. It's because the way that Jesus showed up The impact of his love, the impact of his life, so molded and transformed. That's the call. That's whatever the external form is. That's what we're put here to do. That's the dress rehearsal. That's what we're working with, guys. We are to be the signs and the wonders. I and the children that the Lord has given me are for signs and wonders in the land of Israel. We are the signs and wonders. We are to demonstrate what life in the holy city looks like on earth. That's the sign that makes people wonder. Uh, We are to provoke people to the reality of what the kingdom of God is. To what the holy city looks like. And as much slack as the church gets... For its mishaps across the years, I just want to remind you all tonight that cultural pillars such as university systems, the whole music itself, sung music, music, musical theory—it it all came from the church. You know, science from the church, philosophy from the church, hospitals and healthcare from the church. Most of the pillars of Western society were birthed from the church, because the church is the outpost of the kingdom. It's the locus, it's the portal through which the kingdom of God enters the world most potently. And as broken as the church has been, because it's a bunch of people in the process of being transformed, it has still brought forth the 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 city of God to the earth. Like, so we've been doing this. This isn't just made-up theory. This has happened. But God's dreaming of something more. God wants a city transformed. And it's by us. I had a thought, but I lost it. All right, so for you, the ones listening to these words, you're a royal priest. You are the lineage of the king of kings, and you are his representative to the exact piece of this earth that he's put you in. Time-space continuum. Say time-space continuum. You alone are the light of the world in a unique time-space continuum that only you walk. No one else lives your life. No one else wears your shoes. No one else has the same relationships with the same people as you. No one else will live the life that God has ordained for you to be a priest in. And I have good news for you tonight. Whatever your life looks like, whatever your time-space continuum is, no matter what your personal perspective is on it as you're hearing me tonight, it is a dress rehearsal for your role in the city of God to come. And God has anointed you with the Spirit of Jesus Christ to live in such a way that you would be a sign and a wonder right where you are to provoke people to the reality that there is a higher way to live life. This is one of those things we can't just cluck at, we gotta fly too. We, we have to, the world is waiting, creation is groaning. For the revelation of a royal priesthood to step in and live their life in such a way that we become the signs and wonders so you know if you're a politician if you're a small business owner if you are a stay-at-home mom if you're a boss if you're a corporate employee my gosh you you are poised you are sent we have to we're an apostolic people we are sent to be a sign and wonder there. We're living out, we're wrestling, we're living this dress rehearsal of what is this going to look like? What does it look like for me to be a citizen of heaven while still sojourning as an alien on earth? It looks like something, and it looks like something glorious. I'm telling you, the spirit of wisdom and revelation is in you. He lives in you. He's waiting to empower you. He's wanting to show you what heaven looks like. And I just promise you, it's a lot closer than you thought when you walked in these doors. It, it, we, I'm just tired of these ideas that it's like, it's it got to be about the church. You know, we have to honor the church because the church is the locust point where the seed of the kingdom gets sown. Like tonight, we are, we're, we're, we stepped in and we had a Revelation 4 worship experience. Something's activating inside of us. And now I'm sowing the seed of the kingdom in you. But it's just the seed. You gotta take it out there and sow the seed so that it starts to grow out there. But there's this center of gravity inside of the Western mind, Christian, that's like, oh, the kingdom of heaven. It has so much to do with church. Church is going to pass away. There's no church in the city. It's a city. It's a city. You work every day in a. You're in a city. What if God wants to remove the veil and all of a sudden, there's no division? Revelation four and Revelation 22:21, they're together. That's the dress rehearsal that we're living. What we did tonight, we do it. You gather at the temple to do it. But then you have to interiorize it. It's holy, this throne, this worship, holy, holy, holy. I, I'm beholding him, and then I'm going to my job to imitate him. Jesus gave up his life because he was so thrilled about the possibility of living it In your skin. Coffee shop and all. Like if Jesus was you, he would not need anything to change in his life to be fired up and full of confidence that he was going to bring transformation in it. Because Jesus was a royal priest. And he saw heaven... And he knew he was tasked to create it. Like, come on, man. What are we waiting for? Like, why are we not fired up? <laughs> the this, this spirit of God's inside of us. The kingdom of heaven is here 2,000 years ago. Repent. Change the way you think about life is what Jesus is saying. Think in a different way because heaven's here. You don't have to be at church seven days a week. You just need to see heaven. Prioritize his presence. Behold him and imitate him. We're going to be living this dance for all eternity. Why not start now? Come on, man. This just gets me excited. I, I just, I don't know how to articulate it with words and maybe I'm not supposed to. I just have this sense, even as I was praying this week into this word, that it's like Jesus wants to infuse you with his excitement for your life. And I just had this sense that some of you have been wrestling like, this doesn't matter, my life doesn't matter, my job it doesn't matter. and I, And I actually don't have a sense that like some of you are really successful from what the world would say, but you're wrestling for like a deeper purpose. And some of you are struggling, and you don't think you're successful to earthly standards, but you're searching for purpose. And I just, I just have just I, it's like the compassion of the Lord. He's like, I want you to be excited. I want you to see. I want you to see that you're on the cusp of heaven. That's here, it's not far. And that you matter. That you deeply matter. Your life is so significant to God. You're going to be with Him for endless years. Living this beautiful rhythm out. And it's like, we don't have to put so much emphasis on the form. Like the form's going to pass away. It's like what makes you sick, you're an eternal being. And there's eternity. Like you're you're touching eternity every day matters how you show up matters and there's just something that the lord wants to awaken so i just want you to stand i just want you to stand i'm just going to pray that the spirit of god will give that because i can't give that to you i can't articulate in the nuance of what your world looks like but i just I just feel like the spirit, it's like this picture of heaven that you'd find something in it that's going to just awaken you tonight. That's that's the heart of what I, I, I feel. So, yeah, let's just open our hands. And it says that David would call upon the name of the Lord. And I, I just want you to call upon the name of the Lord. Lord we call upon you we call upon the lamb we call upon you and we ask that you would shine your light into our hearts Lord heaven is about you and so is earth Lord it's all about you and we thank you for this beautiful dress rehearsal that we're in that it's it, it matters it's 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 beautiful, it's challenging, it requires us to wrestle. Lord, it's so stimulating, it's a provoking dress rehearsal. We thank you for this life. And I just pray, God, that you will release grace into this room, that we'll be able to extract the precious from the worthless. Lord, we will begin to see the purpose and the eternal design of what's taking place in our life I pray Lord that you will open the eyes of our hearts to see the Lamb and as we behold the Lamb we it will change we'll begin to repent and see life in a new way Lord for those that are searching for purpose Lord I pray that you will you will release it tonight Lord that a revelation of Jesus Christ will bestow purpose It will restore purpose. God, I come against every scheme and argument of the enemy that wants to still kill, and destroy, and wants to pervert our understanding of ourselves and our lives, and wants to devalue and and, and make us feel like what we're doing doesn't matter and is insignificant and purposeless. Lord, I just pray that there'll be a breaking loose of all of that, that the gunk will just leave. It will leave. You'll displace that with a bunch of excitement, Lord, divine excitement for what You're doing in our lives, Lord. That we'll see with new eyes. That we'll that we'll we'll see, God. We'll see the city of God that is on the cusp of breaking in to the city of man the city of God that is breaking in to Boise, Idaho to Nampa, Idaho, to Meridian, Idaho to any other city that any other person is listening to this too that the kingdom of God is at hand and it's breaking in and it's breaking in through a priesthood that will see your kingdom and recreate it, God. So just, we thank you for your word. We thank you for heaven. We thank you for the mystery of it. We thank you for the power of this prophetic imagery. And I just pray, Lord, that it will shake what can be shaken so that you will reveal an unshakable kingdom that will root itself inside of us, that we will see it, that we'll press into it. Yeah, so come Holy Spirit. Yeah, just come, come, come and start conversations, come and stir us with your excitement, come and wake us up to what life really is, come and wake us up to Jesus. I just, I, I want you to respond to him, I feel like, or, or pray to him, or, or worship him, just to respond to him, you're, you're a royal priest, you're a cultivator, I just, I feel like the Lord is starting conversations tonight, that this word was to provoke conversations and i just see the lord invading imaginations lord we thank you for the gift of an imagination and i ask holy spirit that you sanctify imaginations in this room right now lord that you will release vision of a jesus-centric city god of a jesus-centric family life of a jesus-centric entrepreneurial expression of a jesus-centric Healthcare worker, of a Jesus centric corporate employee, of a Jesus centric stay at home mom, of a Jesus centric small business owner, of a Jesus centric barista, God, of a Jesus centric royal priest beholding the Lamb and taking His light and making it known to the cities and the nations of earth. God just just spark imaginations release vision into this place God I ask that you will release really seed pictures God verses ideas stories Lord that you will seed your priesthood with your thoughts with your ways with your imagination that the city of God you'll begin to give it to us in pieces in seeds Lord just just ask him and tell him you receive ask him to seed you ask him to sanctify your imagination just tell him i want it i need it <laughs> i need it lord reveal vocation in this house redeem vocation in this house reveal the kingdom of god in our midst oh god <laughs> wisdom fresh creativity I see the Lord alleviating guilt off of someone's shoulders you've felt guilty even because of your success I see the Lord it's like he's giving new eyes so there's wrestling matches you've been wrestling over if what you're doing even matters and I see the Lord he's settling he's settling something inside of hearts If that's you, I just want you to respond. Make an altar at your own at your own seat. I just want you to respond. If if that's you, just respond and kneel before the Lord and just say, "Have your way." We sing it. Just pray it. Have your way. Have your way. Now, there's repentance happening in this room right now. There's repentance. There's repentance. Even around, I see money. There, there's been weights I mean, there's been heaviness associated to money and there's repentance the Lord's breathing creativity you've been poised to create the city of God it's the city of God we thank you Lord for this dress rehearsal I just see the Lord, it's unconventional wisdom. That's the phrase I see. He's releasing unconventional wisdom. He's releasing upside down kingdom logic. He's releasing inside out kingdom perspective. He is shifting your view of yourself, of your own life. He's, he's, he's altering it, he's changing it. We thank you God for unconventional wisdom that we would be a people of a different spirit than the spirit of the world. He's starting conversations, he's starting conversations, he's starting conversations tonight. He teaches us wisdom through conversation. He doesn't give us answers. Usually he gives us new questions. He gives us conversation starters. And so I bless the conversations that you are beginning tonight that you are stirring up in our hearts and I pray Holy Spirit that you be the teacher that you provoke us into truth thank you God for what you're doing for this priestly identity that you are uncovering like an archaeologist uncovering a fossil we just bless what you are doing uncovering your priesthood within ourselves uncovering Jesus the hope of glory inside of us we just say half your way and uncover the glory of God that you that you placed inside of us before we ever breathed our first breath we bless you we honor you we glorify you and we pray God that as we go we'd be a revelation for priesthood that shows up bringing the life of the kingdom in the midst of our city so yeah i bless you church to go and be the light of the world a city set on a hill and to go in the name of jesus and if you believe that if you say yes to that just say amen amen come on be blessed. There's a party out back in the field. So you walk out, you swing a left, and we can hang out together and uh, show up like Jesus to one another. Amen. All right. Love you, church. And we will see you next week.